talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me fighter. Good morning, everybody. Hi. Good morning. (laughs) Hello, hello. It's weird being on different screens this week. I miss being in, in person with you guys. No, seriously. I wouldn't be late if we were in person. It's your guys' fault. (laughs) Sure, you wouldn't. Sure. Well, I I will defend her. Last week, she was there pretty early. I know, right? True. So I'm trying to share this thing. Hang on. (laughs) Well, I'll go ahead and get started while Megan's working on sharing because we do have an awesome guest we're excited to have with us today. Hey, Dan. Um, So I'll let... Good. We're going to let Megan do all the introductions for Dan, um, but we'll kind of go around our new normal kind of spiel real quick and um, welcome you back to Fight Club this Tuesday. Super happy to have you all back with us today. And as you know, we're a group of industry experts that are really here to help you um, thrive in your business and fight for your business in these trying times. And we all cover different areas of the industries, and my area in particular is going to be the marketing side of things. My name is Taylor Maroney, and I co-own a pressure washing company with my husband, and I also have been in marketing for about five years now, so I'm super excited to be here with you all. Yeah, and good morning. My name is Megan Likes, and I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online and the owner of Likes Accounting Company and the co-owner of Jeff Likes Windows and Gutters in Northern California, and I talk about finances at Fight Club. And I invited my friend, Dan Plata, probably one of the smartest people about finances that I know in our industry to help us out because can you believe the year is halfway over as of right now, today? Holy cow. I know it feels like it's been 10,000 years actually so far in 2020, but we thought Dan could help us talk about like planning for the next quarter and looking back retroactively at the past quarter or many quarters or whatever and so Dan is Dan has blue skies admin services and uh and I'm gonna let Dan talk a little bit about it because if you feel like I have my hands in a lot of pots Dan has his hands in more um but what I know that Dan does and what I like watching Dan do is he loves geeking out about money and he loves helping field service owners understand their money he I don't know how many times I've run into Dan at a conference and he's sitting on a laptop with a business owner going through their income and their expenses and the percentages. And the best part is that business owner is not usually having their eyes glazed over. Usually they have a beer and they're smiling and they're <laughs> so they that's definitely why usually have a beer, to... that's for sure. Usually have a beer. So Dan about who you are and what you do and 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 welcome to Fight Club, Dan. We're happy to have you. Thanks for having me. So I don't Tay and Megan both said that I'm smart and I would, uh, I'd, I don't know about that. Um, I always feel like uh, I'd rather just work hard. So I, I, I tend to not view myself as any, uh, any bit intelligent, just hopefully working hard enough to figure some things out. But I, I have an accounting background. I went to school actually for accounting finance and econ and, and back to the beer thing, it ended up taking me five years to get out of school. Um, so I just, I, I left with three degrees because they couldn't get rid of me. Um, 
And so I got into the corporate world, uh, studied the CFA program, which is no, nobody really knows what the CFA program is, but it's kind of like the CPA program, but more for finance. So I studied and took way all harder, it's, way I, harder. I don't it's know like, if it's way, way harder. Way, it's, way harder. I, my, I, I say it's just more frustrating because you can only take the exams like once a year. So if you fail, you got to wait a whole year to take the next one. So luckily, again, I, I, I'm not smart. I just studied way too much and didn't have a life. And so I passed all three exams, but uh, I never paid the dues because I'm a finance person. I'm really cheap. So I don't actually have the CFA designation, but I got some of the knowledge, whatever's left of it anyway. Um, and so I did that. It was kind of one of those things. I just like did it to prove it to myself. And I was in the corporate world, like my brain just shriveling up because I wasn't being challenged. So I had to challenge myself. And then I realized like, oh, if I want to challenge, I should leave the corporate world and go into small business. Cause that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and so after about 10 years in the corporate world, I joined Blue Sky Services uh, with my business partners and came on board full time. And so initially, we just started as a window cleaning company uh, with uh, some pretty humble beginnings and said like, oh, we're not, we're not the worst at this. And therefore, we should do more of it and we should get into home cleaning. And so for the first four or five years at Blue Skies here, we were growing our window cleaning business, doing some acquisitions in window cleaning. We said we got all these customers, we should do more for them. How about we clean the inside of their homes too? So we bought some maid service companies, layered that in. And just about two years ago, we took a look at our admin business or our admin team. It wasn't really a business yet, but we had me doing nerding out on the bookkeeping and the finance stuff. We had Sean Day doing all of our recruiting across the country for we, at the time we had about a hundred employees. And so with home cleaning, especially we've got some turnover and we're growing and doing things. So we've got somebody like just doing recruiting. We've got a marketing guy that just does marketing. And so we took a look at those admin functions and said like, all right, what are we actually good at? What do we do the best at? Um, and to us, that was the bookkeeping and finance stuff, the recruiting and the marketing. And we said, well, let's start doing that for other people. I, I, I take that back. Other people started asking us to do those things for them. And then we realized like, oh, when somebody asks you to do something for them and then they say, how much do I owe you? That means you have a business. And so we had to kind of change the way we were thinking about like, oh, this is just stuff we do for ourselves. And we have to allocate money from our businesses to this admin group. Um, and so we got intentional about it a couple of years ago. Um, and now we do those three things for other companies in the home service industry. So here we are. <laughs> and you're in a awesome. bunch of states, you're in a bunch of industries. And he, if you just heard that correctly, he has recruiting, marketing, and bookkeeping arms to his businesses. So uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have you, Dan. That's a lot awesome. going on, a lot going on. A lot going on. It's, it's like the classic <laughs> entrepreneur, right? You just can't help yourself. And so you, you just keep doing more things and then your wife gets frustrated with you and you're like, no, I promise I'll stop starting new things really soon after this next one maybe <laughs> hey there and i'm michelle myers i uh own co-own with my sweet husband pink collars and the safe distance service association so that's me and welcome to fight club <laughs> hey i'm martha woodward and i am I guess the creator of Level Up, Build Teams That Give a Shit. I am the co-founder of Quality Driven and I have a service business. And we didn't mention 
Dan, but last week we all started another business. We formally created a business around Fight Club for Business. So uh, we were counting the number of things we have our hands in as well. So we get you. Yeah, we do get you. We do. It's a sickness. Last night we had dinner with one of Jeff's admins, or not admins, lead techs. And um, I was like, yeah, and I own six businesses. And Jeff was like, no, it's five. And I was like, remember last week, that thing? (laughs) (laughs) We bought bought that web address and we uh, filed for an LLC. And therefore, we have another business. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. All right, let's get started. Let's get started. Wow. Awesome. Well, I will forewarn everyone. I'm still having some issues with my mic. So if I cut out, just like throw a hand up or something, get me to stop. Cause I'll just keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, but as, I um, as I mentioned, you still have jet lag. I thought that's what you were going to say. Oh, no. that's <laughs> definitely real. <laughs> that's definitely still real. So, um, definitely no secret in that one. Um, but I know Dan, uh, I want to steal you for marketing. So I want to talk all things kind of quarter, um, to recap and really kind of dive into, obviously everyone's different. D- business is different. We know that. Um, but there's, specific variables that everyone can kind of analyze and look at depending on their business at the end of a quarter to say, um, you know, this is what's working, you know, this is what we need to review and be really, you know, intentional. Like you said before, I love when everyone uses that word that I feel like that's our fight club word, Um, but being intentional and specific and measurable about your marketing. So I'd love to kind of pick you know, start a conversation, pick your brain a little bit on what you guys do in the aspect of, you know, recapping a quarter. What's your kind of process in that um, system? So for me, because I'm an accounting nerd, it all starts with the financials. So it's hard to measure data if you didn't keep track of it well in the first place. So I'm really anal about, we do our bookkeeping weekly and we make sure that everything is done and in the right spot. Because if it's not in the right spot and you don't know what it is, your data is not good enough to tell you anything to make decisions with anyway. So that's where I'd say it starts. We look at marketing a couple different ways. We'll look at it both from an individual lead source perspective. And and we actually, I, I jumped off of my leadership team call just now to, to join you guys. And we were literally just talking about uh, making sure our, our admin team is capturing all the leads, all the sources. Uh, what do we do with, if we don't, <laughs> a decision we made today was, what do we do if we don't get the, the lead info from the client? Um, and our admin now has to enter a lead called, I forgot to ask. And so if they forget to ask for the lead, now they have to say, like, there's no just like bailout, like gen- generic lead. It's, I forgot to ask. Um, I have, have got to, to steal that from you. I have to steal that from you. My husband did it yesterday. I listened to him on a call and he was um, on a call with the lady and going through all this stuff. And I was like, you got to ask where she called from. Where'd she call from? Where was it? And like, by the time he got off the call, he was like, you can't do that to me. And I was like, well, then I'm going to have to put, you're going to have to call her back at some point and yep. get this from her because we need this to be measurable and track things. Yeah. yeah. And True. I'd say that's like the, that's the trickiest thing is especially as our business has grown, it's harder to hold our teams accountable to that. Cause there's just so much going on and different deals here and this and that. And so um, we don't, we never have it perfect, but we're always working on it to get it a little bit better and a little bit better. So measuring it and keeping track of all those leads as they come in 
That way, now when we have our numbers and we have our leads, we can say, we got X amount of leads from this source. We spent this amount of money. We converted this many leads. And so we can start looking at cost per lead, cost per client, average job size, and what the percent of marketing spend is on that revenue. Um, and so we'll kind of break all that stuff down. Um, and usually we'd look at that monthly or maybe even quarterly, depending on like the runway that we need to assess if it's working or not. Um, and I, yesterday I had my one-on-one -on -one with our marketing director and we decided we're going to start looking at it every single week. And so he's going to run mm -hmm. those numbers for each lead source, for each location, and kind of just put together a scorecard that we can see weekly. Is it trending up? Is it trending down? Um, part of the reason is we got really aggressive in Q2. And I know uh, it was a hard time for many people to get aggressive. And if you didn't get aggressive, that's okay. If, if you've got some, some PPP funds or some EIDL funds, maybe Q3 is the time to start getting aggressive. We looked at our business um, and said, there's some things we really want to do. And when everything slowed down, it gave us some resources to do it. And then we got some PPP funds for different businesses. And we said, okay, well, knowing that some of these costs are covered, it's going to free up other cash flow for us to get aggressive with. And for us to get those PPP funds forgiven, we're going to need to grow anyway. We're going to need to grow back to where we were, especially in home cleaning. We're only at like 60 to 70% of our former clients are back. So we're going to have to grow our business by that remaining 30 to 40% just to get back to where we were, get all of our employees back and get those PPP funds. So we got super aggressive trying new things that we hadn't tried before, but always wanted to and just were a little gun shy. Um, and so now measuring gets so much more important because we got to start pulling the plug on the stuff that's not working and doubling down on what is. So if you don't have that data, if you don't know what your numbers are, you don't have the bookkeeping side and the leads and, and um, client acquisitions figured out, it makes it impossible to make good business decisions. So. No, I can't agree more. Yeah, Mark. I know. I know who's going to talk about the data at the week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm absolutely so yeah well I, I can tell Megan's just like just so happy because she's hearing oh. data, she's hearing numbers she's hearing everything got to be measurable and it but it's it's so true and it's I'm a big component I know the ladies have heard this so much I love roadmaps I'm I'm a person who likes to map things out be able to analyze my plan and then from there measure that plan so I do this for both life and for our business I kind of do it individually um, but most people I'm finding out don't really do that. They'll kind of jump into a marketing plan um, or kind of throw marketing dollars at something and just hope and pray, fingers crossed, that it's going to work. And there's no real measuring. There's no real um, analyzing and saying, okay, this is what we've gotten in. This is how much money we've put towards it. You know, we're not analyzing our books to know what we've gotten back from it. And just like you're saying, it now produces an unknown of what this marketing, you know, adventure or um you know investments really doing for you and if that's anything that i feel like all of us can attest to is if you're not measuring it then you're not being effective as a business owner for your marketing and that's something that i feel is very um you know not very much discussed in the worlds that we work in it's just kind of well i'm going to try this and figure it out and hopefully it works and i think in my experience personally google ads is kind of one of the biggest ones that people will just say I'm going to jump into a Google ads campaign and throw all this money at it and it's going to work. And I just know it's going to work. And, you know, 
80% of the time, I would say it does. But if you get one of those bad Apple companies or, you know, someone who's not measuring it properly, and then your money's not being, you know, used in an effective format, now you're in that position of, well, now I've invested all this money. Now I hate Google ads. And realistically, you just weren't actually measuring your success to be able to say whether or not you were with the right company. But I, I kind of feel like everybody starts a marketing campaign or a strategy with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to measure this and make sure it works. And what I usually see that breaks down is back to the bookkeeping thing. If they don't have good books, then there's no real good way to measure it. And then they kind of give up on like, oh, well, if I'm actually going to measure it, I have to do this thing, which is going into QuickBooks every Saturday and, and putting things in the right place. And I don't want to do that. And therefore, if I don't do that now, there's no point in measuring because I don't have the data to measure with anyway. And so it's like, yeah. I, th I think they start with good intentions, but there's a lot of work to fulfill all that. Um, and my husband's, my husband's an example that 100%, he, he would attempt to get into QuickBooks and then it would be like, oh, good Lord, I can't even think about this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. now it's, it's transitioned into a, a weekly thing that we're having to analyze and go through. And now that I'm helping him and kind of working on the office side of things with our business, it's allowed us to see so many of those areas that are, you know, a little bit, um, I guess, in need of extra care and extra love as like, as I like to call it, because, you know, we've neglected it for a few years. So it's, um, you know, every, like you said before, every business is so different, but I love what you're saying in regards to, which I know Megan does too. It's, it's your bookkeeping, it's your numbers and your marketing and all of it connects together. And it's really one big system. And if you're not working on that system together each week, then you're really doing a disservice to yourself. I think so. It's all about the and numbers. I feel like, well, and I feel like we just came out of a very traumatic period where we are actively in or we are coming out of, or I don't know. But I feel like when I looked at the calendar and I saw July 1st coming, I actually got excited because it felt like that turn of the calendar page, that turn of the quarter, like that was an opportunity for us to start, try again. Like, Let's, so we, I think we all, I, I definitely know the five of us all hit 2020 like hard in January. This is going to be the best year. We're going to see these girls. We were, I feel like I know, especially the fight club group, we had goals, we had intentions, right? And then, you know, mid-March happened and everything got blown up and then we became in survival mode. And, and April 1st, that calendar page turn, which I call head slap day, Dan, because I am in the tax world. That's the day that everybody says, oh shit, my taxes are due this month. And they all call me and it's the worst day of the year. I feel like I didn't even notice April 1st because I was so exhausted at that point. Um, so looking to July 1st, I'm like, again, it's head slap day because July 1st. I was going to say, you just like ground <laughs> yeah. I have four tax deadlines coming up starting tomorrow. Um, but I, I'm excited about it because I feel like we can plan again. And I think I remember you saying, Dan, when this all started, like about goal setting, you know, being really methodical about it. And to be honest, I think most businesses weren't able to plan in the midst of the pandemic. They were trying to just stop the bleeding and the hemorrhaging from every direction. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to see just a, a quick discussion about you know, when you're looking to a new quarter, like what are you looking at in your data to set goals? So are we talking about a budget? Are we talking about target revenue? 
Like what, you know, what are some metrics that we can kind of get brainstorming about for other people to set before tomorrow as a goal? Um, for us, we do our profit distributions on the last day of the quarter. And I was too afraid to do them on March 31st because there was so much uncertainty. I wasn't going to move any cash anywhere. I was going to squirrel it and hoard it. But now I'm sitting on more cash than I think I ever have in our entire business because of all of everything that's happened. So um, yeah, I just, I would love to hear what your thoughts are about, about cash and about planning for the next quarter. Yeah. The, and to your point, like March 31st happened and we usually as the, we, we set a year budget for the entire year, but then I will re-budget every quarter. And so we'll look at the pace that we're on, the trajectory that we're on. And I do that more on the home cleaning side of the business and the admin side of our business window cleaning because it's not recurring revenue it's it's a bunch of one-time jobs we got to look back farther so I don't typically rebudget that so when we came into q2 and shit's hitting the fan we really scaled down our budgets on home cleaning we went into April and we were basically shut down for two weeks across the country to reassess everything and then you know how, like how the hell do you build a budget in a thing that has never happened before so you're just guessing at that you, point. You don't. So, so you don't. You just don't. It's not. Yeah. So so right? like we we built a random budget and said like, if this doesn't like it, here's our budget. If this happens, here's the really crappy decisions we're gonna have to make, or they're gonna feel crappy, but they're gonna make us better in the long run. And so we did that. We made those decisions based on that budget, and we exceeded that budget by a little bit but um, it really forced our hand to make some hard decisions and know exactly uh, like our, our Cleveland home cleaning business. We had to cancel our rent agreement. We had to get rid of all of our office staff and put them all out in the field. Um, we had to, uh, gosh, what else? We had, we had to cancel like three big things and we were like, this business can't survive. It's going to just go broke if we don't do X, Y, and Z. So that was kind of how we came into Q2 was like budget for the, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best sort of thing. We didn't adjust anything on the window cleaning side because it was like, well, we can still be out working outside um, in the markets we're in. And so, whereas home cleaning, we beat our budgets, window cleaning, we didn't quite beat them. But again, like, how do you budget for a crisis like we had? Now, the interesting about Q3 is we have a runway of data to show us our trajectory. So we're going to use a little bit of historical like last year type of data more for the trend and the pace that we think we can get back to but especially with home cleaning we can't ignore the fact that we're only back to 60 to 70 percent so we're going to start a baseline there but when we budget um when we budget anything I'll, I'll quick kind of explain our process to to um set the stage we always start with uh, our revenue goals, what we're gonna spend on marketing, what we expect that acquisition cost to be, uh, client attrition. If we're, if we're doing recurring revenue type of stuff, we're gonna look at how many clients do we expect to naturally lose? What's our attrition rate? How many clients do we expect to get from marketing that we're gonna add throughout the month? What's the average job size on all those? And then what's our skip rate? So four things, um, attrition rate, new clients coming in, average job size and skip rate. Uh, skip rate just means they don't get cleaned this week or this month or whatever the case is. And we'll build up a revenue number from that. 
And really that revenue number is gonna drive all of our costs. We know what percent our labor should be of that. We know what percent our supplies should be and all the way down the P&L, that's all gonna relate back to that revenue number. So now when I look at Q3, I can say, well, we know we've got X amount of clients rolling into Q3. We know that average job size, our attrition's actually a lot lower right now. We're not losing those clients that have come back. Um, and now we're starting to see new clients come in. So I can kind of figure out what that acquisition cost is, what that average job size is, is and like get back to building a normal style budget that we couldn't do in Q2. Uh, and the window and, and hopefully, side, hopefully we now know like worst case scenario, right? They tell yeah. me that we just now know, tell me it's not going to get worse, right? Like where's the crystal ball? We just made it through worst case scenario. Even if we, even if this goes south again, we now have data, right? We now have resilience. We now know what happened. Mm -hmm. um, I think you were going to tell us about window cleaning, but you just said something that I, you said yesterday and, um, and I learned this from Martha Woodward, uh, but this is the idea of like pumpkin planning our clients when you're down to 60 to 70% and you have your best clients coming back and you've lost kind of your picky clients or you've lost your pain in the butt clients or you've lost your cheap clients. Uh, I, I would love to hear you just, because people get sick of me saying these things and, and even Martha saying these things. So we'd love to hear you say like how, how the world essentially helped pumpkin plan our businesses and how that's an opportunity going forward, um, especially with Tay's marketing, like attracting more of your good big pumpkins, your good clients to come back. So. Yeah, totally. It's a, and not that a global crisis is a blessing in disguise by any means, but just like it made us make the tough decisions for some of our businesses that we were putting off, it also created some natural attrition. Um, and we, we lost some clients that we'd love to have back, don't get me wrong, but it also helps you weed out. I mean, this is on the client side, but it's also kind of on your employee side. If you had a B player or a C player, they aren't the ones you brought back, right? You brought your A players back first. And so what happens from that is, A, you're not gonna lose the clients that you do have because it's all your A players cleaning them. Um, and they're all having great experiences. So you start getting referrals from those clients and they're excited to have you back and excited to talk about you. And the clients that didn't come back are the ones that are maybe a little germaphobe maybe uh, the ones that would be pickier with you in their house and would give you a hard time. and cost you a lot of customer service dollars. And so you've got the right clients back, you've got the right cleaners back. And now when you do the marketing, you can focus on the clients that are really excited to get somebody back in their home to help them take care of keeping surfaces disinfected, right? There's, there's like the two schools of people right now, the people that don't want anybody in their home, and then the people that want you in their home cleaning their home because they're afraid of the germs and they want them cleaned up. Um, I guess there's a third group of people that are just like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Um, so, so you might get some of those too, but it's just focusing on the clients that want that extra disinfection and going and getting the right type of client. Cause you already have a good group of the right type of clients and the right type of cleaners. Um, so you've got a, a, to that, to your point, like kind of your perfect pumpkin patch going um, and then building off of that and just keeping the mindset of not, not taking those bad clients and not taking those bad cleaners either. And one last question, and then I'm going to turn you over to Michelle, but uh, did you raise your prices? Um, in window cleaning, we did. In home cleaning, we didn't. Did you? Home, 
I don't know. We've we totally debated it over and over and over again. Um, we did a price increase before it, and so it was hard to do like another one. Um, and I don't know the right answer on that one. We just kind of felt like it wasn't the right time to do a price increase, whereas window cleaning, like the market could could handle it in our our area, or I guess more of the soft washing anyway, the pressure washing stuff. So um, we kind of did a price increase. Well, I would I would encourage you to consider it, especially for new clients, as you're attracting and really dialing in. You just said like ten reasons why you should raise your prices for new. Yeah, as, as you said that, I was like, yeah, why the <laughs> hell haven't we raised our prices? <laughs> yeah, so awesome. Okay, cool. I'm gonna turn you over to Michelle because she's gonna systematize what we just went through. Awesome. I can now see I'm, her ears turning. I, I am. I'm it. so excited. So um, the numbers just get me thrilled too. I love them. So when we were talking about, you know, all of the numbers, I wrote down some notes, the job size attrition rate, and all of that leads to your, leads to your revenue number. Talk to me about how then you take that revenue number and, and add it to balancing capacity and demand. Because I know that's the tightrope that all of us walk, right? We have this capacity and, and demand issue. And I know it in my own business, it's a constant balance that you're trying to stay in. So tell me how you find it and just pick one of the businesses and run us through kind of how you determine that for you. Please. Sure. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, the answer is very different between window cleaning where it's like one-time work versus home cleaning sure. where it's recurring work. Um, window cleaning is a little more straightforward because you see the work that you have on the schedule and you know how many people you have and how much revenue they can produce and the more you book, you just get farther booked out. Home cleaning, you can't really do that because you're going to keep <laughs> being that busy if it's recurring work and that's what you're focusing on getting. So when we look at home cleaning, which is a little more ticky tacky, there's a couple mm -hmm. different elements that we look at. One is what's our average recurring run rate or, per, or percent of capacity versus demand. And we try to it's, it's, it, uh, it's similar to running like a manufacturing company. You hear like 80% capacity is the sweet spot. Once you start getting over that, you're running overtime. You don't have time to uh, repairs and maintenance on equipment in manufacturing world. In the home cleaning world, if you're pushing too high, you don't leave yourself any wiggle room. So we shoot for 90%. We don't want to be right at 100%. When we're at 100% of our capacity, anything that goes wrong during the day and like we're running a service business we're not oblivious to the fact that things aren't going to work perfectly something's going to go wrong we just don't know about it in advance so we want to be at 90 percent to give ourselves a little bit of wiggle room but to make sure our cleaners are getting big fat paychecks if we get less than 90 percent our paychecks start to go down and so there's only two solutions one is sell 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 or mm -hmm. lay somebody <laughs> off to get yeah. capacity demand back up to 90%. Um, you gotta pull on one lever in there. The other element of it is you can be at 90%, but if one day is at 110% and the next day is at 70%, you have a different but equally painful problem in that you always pretty much have to staff for your biggest day. Mm -hmm. And therefore the day that you're not full everybody's paycheck really suffers and therefore their paycheck for the week really suffers. So not only do you want to average 90%, but you want to minimize the fluctuation in there. You want to make sure that every day has almost the same amount of revenue on it and the same amount of capacity on it so that yeah. it's even keel. If 
if Fridays are really busy, but Wednesdays you don't have any work, the only way to really solve it is some part-time labor, which gets really tricky to manage um, and isn't super scalable. Or uh, you basically just need to start calling and emailing your clients and trying to get them to move and maybe incentivizing them to move so you can flatten out your schedule again. Um, And that lumpiness is always greater when your business is smaller. In straight percentages, if you've got four cleaners and one person calls in, you just lost 25% of your workforce, right? If you have 10 cleaners Mm -hmm. and one person calls in, you only lost 10%. Um, And so it's just easier to roll with those punches. But when, after our businesses have shrunk, that lumpiness uh, really gets magnified and more more painful and, and paramount to deal with. So I always talk about systems and this thing to me sounds like it's a really a spreadsheet heavy process that you go through to find these percentages. Is there another system that maybe you could utilize or something simplified where people could kind of jot these numbers down and understand them a little bit better with they are a small business? I mean, Michelle, I'm a accountant, so everything is spreadsheet. <laughs> I know, I know. Have you seen Dan's spreadsheets? I know. Why I mean, would you, why would you ever like use color coded? Yeah. I know. I, no I, know. Wonder I just thought I'd ask. No wonder they have to drink beer while they're looking at them. Man, those spreadsheets give me a headache, Dan. They're so colorful. so colorful. So colorful. But not everyone is Dan. So for those who aren't Dan, is I there agree. another way? You know, You're there's probably... Um, for those I allergic. Haven't, I haven't found... <laughs> ideally, like, the best case for us would be if our CRM would do it for us. Sure. That way, we wouldn't have to put it in a spreadsheet. Now, yeah. um, we have a lot of our businesses are on service autopilot. And so, mm-hmm. so we don't have a way to do that in service autopilot the way that we like it. Cause we're measuring capacity by dollar. We know okay. a home cleaner, we want to do 250 to 300 bucks a day by themselves. And we have X amount of home cleaners. So we know what that capacity is. And then we're punching the daily revenue against it and calculating it that way. And we're looking four weeks out all the time in home cleaning. Martha has so, an answer for you. I think I'll say Martha. Yeah. I love so- it. I, I like to look at that monthly view on service autopilot Mm -hmm. and it has the, the stats on there. So you can see the number of hours budgeted and then the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm not running spreadsheets, but I know what that percentage is that Mm -hmm. we're trying to hit daily. And it also came, it also was helpful because um, when you're looking for a spot, you know, that's a bird's eye view of, all right, that's a light day. And then that's where we would go and attack it. So do you use that monthly stat view? Um, no, we punch those into a spreadsheet out of service autopilot. Um, <laughs> just, just because we can see more and we're a little more hands-on with it. Service Monster, we switched to Service Monster for one of our window cleaning businesses, just uh, kind of forced our hand because we did an acquisition and theirs shows you the the daily revenue in a little more uh, consumable way. Um, And so with there's no perfect CRM, right? And so like, there's always a trick with them. For Mm -hmm. Service Autopilot, we found that punching our numbers into a spreadsheet takes us about a minute a day and everything's in one spot and, and that's super easy for us to do on the home cleaning side of the business on window cleaning we're adding so many jobs right i mean like it's not uncommon to sell 100 jobs in a week for a location and so you've got to like know that capacity and demand every single stinking minute 
um, so you don't overbook a day too much. And in Service Monster, we just kind of found a way to flag how much open capacity we have on each day and we can see what our revenue number is. So that one, we don't use a spreadsheet. That one, we do it right in the CRM, but it's just, you know, there's a way to trick each CRM into showing you what you need to see. And it's just whether you like looking at it that way or if it's worth a couple minutes to, you know, be an accounting nerd and spreadsheet it. Right. So you all okay. know I'm awesome. like the most lazy passive accountant. Uh, and I love responsibility for this. So I never, I never use spreadsheets for JetFlex Clue Windows and I rely heavily on the responsibility dashboard uh, with their crew cal integration. And the, I set up a pricing matrix and I set up a scheduling matrix and I set up a capacity matrix all behind the scenes. And then I, I set it and forget it. And I love it because I can, I can absolutely rely on my schedules being tight and hitting my daily revenue goals based on my calendar. So for our technicians, they just look at it in Jobber and Responsive is doing all that math for us behind the scenes. And Chris Renfro, you're my hero as always. Love you, man. You're the best. Uh, and Kurt, you're cool too. But that's Kurt's my little right. plug for Kurt's our window. Nice. If Kurt wasn't so nice, I'd like him more. I think. It's <laughs> because <laughs> he doesn't drink beer, huh, Dan? Yeah, that's why. No, that's right. That's fine. That means more for me. That means more yeah. for me. I'm fine. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, Dan. I'm going to pass you over to Martha. Martha, go. All right. All right. So. First, I'm going to hit you with two different things, Dan. Um, one is run through what you think the biggest pitfalls people miss, uh, don't do right, whatever, in recruiting. Because I know that recruiting is still hard right now, and uh, it's something that everyone struggles with. Um, do I, so do I get two things or do I just get one and then you have a second part to that one? <laughs> I have a completely separate thing. Okay. Coming. Okay. So <laughs> on, on the recruiting side, there's two huge things that I see. I, don't, I won't say people doing wrong, but people just not valuing correctly. The first is they don't spend enough on it. Um, if you look at the return that you get from the right person from an A player, not, I mean, like you can look at it mathematically of how much do you need to spend to get a client? How much revenue do you get from a client? And what does that mean? And how important is a client? And then look at what it costs you to go get a good employee and how much revenue a good employee brings in and how many clients they touch and impact and how many referrals you get and so on down the line. And so in general, we don't value, and, and I, I got to use the word value correctly, because we say we like value our employees as people, but we don't value them monetarily enough. They, exactly. they are such a cost-effective asset if we have the right people. The amount of money they bring in and touch is massive. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at it in that regard, you would be so much more willing to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to get the right person um, and we all I, like, even in, in my business, I look at my recruiting budget and in some locations we'll budget for a thousand to $2,000 a month. And then I'll look at my marketing budget and it's like 10 to $20,000 a month. And I'm like, we're not spending enough on recruiting. Like I'm valuing our clients way more than I'm valuing our employees. Like we gotta, we gotta spend more on recruiting. So I think the biggest mistake I see is people are like, I'm going to boost a couple hundred bucks. Um, you should be boosting a thousand bucks. So 
I think that's, that's a big mistake that I see is just people aren't willing to spend enough money to go get the right person, even though that right person is the most valuable thing in your business. Um, somebody, somebody once did that for me and they said, you know, what's your best client of the year? How much money do they make? And then they took me through the math exercise of how much one good employee makes me a year. And I think Martha, you call them our internal customers, right? But you know, if you're in window cleaning and you're making 75 to hundred dollars an hour and you have 2000 man hours a year, that's, that's a big number, right? That's a yep. number of how much income they're generating for you. That's, yeah. that's it's, awesome. it's huge. When you look at the math of it, it's like, you can't even, the two aren't comparable yet. We spend way less on recruiting than we do on marketing. No offense, Tay. No offense. It's okay. Marketing is important. Um, I'm taking notes. Don't worry. I'm taking recruiting notes over here with my uh, bookkeeping Academy pen, Megan. <laughs> and, and recruiting is marketing. I mean, yeah. it is. It's just marketing to a different customer. Yep. <laughs> now look yep. at my <laughs> I had to get out oh, in two pages full here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the other so thing that I one. see, do I, can I, can I give a number two? Yes. <laughs> so the other thing that I see, and I'm biased with this one because I don't do our recruiting. I run a recruiting business, but I don't do any of it, right? Our Sean Day is our recruiting director and he does all of it for all of our businesses and so many other people's businesses. Um, it's not worth your time to do it. There's so many automated systems and people like Sean and his team that just do it. And if you look, if you really valued your time and said, I'm a CEO, I'm worth 300 bucks an hour or whatever you say, right? It better be over hundred bucks an hour. Don't, don't tell yourself you're worth less than that. I'd say you're probably between 300 to a thousand, depending on what you're working on. And you looked at how much time you spend posting jobs, filtering applicants, calling them, setting up interviews. Like you definitely need to be paying somebody else to do that stuff. I happen to pay Sean cause he's on my team, but uh, having somebody that you pay to do that and having like a system, ideally a, an applicant tracking system, we use career plug for all of our clients, something that does the majority of that work for you. Because if you follow my first piece of advice and you're spending thousands instead of just hundreds on your recruiting, you're gonna go get 500 applications. You can't humanly get through 500 applications, but you might need that many to get a few good people out of it. Mm -hmm. And you know they're worth it. So go get the right amount of applications, but then make sure you have the system or the people to go through them for you so that you don't spend your time on it. Good, good points. And uh, I, I haven't, I mean, my, office staff or field manager does the uh, actual in-person interviews. I haven't done that for years. I would love to pass off more of that stuff. Like I don't do any of it, but I would love to get that off her plate even. Mm -hmm. But my, my feeling is that I don't work in the field with the people who are who we're hiring. And so at least that last little section, um, the in-person interview, if you're not out in the field and you're not the one doing the day-to-day -day management, hand this stuff over to Blue Skies or whoever. And that last little bit, I would really recommend that you 
as the owner, aren't still doing those in-person interviews that you hand that over to the people who they're going to be accountable to because I learned a long time ago that people don't really like it when, like when I would make choices and they're not going to always be right. And, you know, you know how it goes. People think they can do it better. So let those people who are going to be accountable do it and learn from their mistakes as well, because there will be mistakes. But I agree. If you want to keep systems going and you want to keep it running like clockwork, you probably can't keep it in-house and do a good job at that. Yeah. I, it's funny you say that. One of the revelations I had a couple of years ago was I was doing all of our interviewing for our window cleaners in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And then they'd show up day one and I would have just sent like, I wasn't in the office very often. So it was, Hey, you know, when you show up, talk to Brent. Um, yeah. That was okay, but they wouldn't be as sticky. We wouldn't retain as many of them because it's like, it's like they're baby birds. And the first thing they see is their mama. And <laughs> right. the first thing they dealt with was me. And now I'm their mama. And now like now mama just passed them off to Brent and Brent's awesome. He's been with us forever. He's like the best production manager in the world. Uh, but he's not Dan and Dan was the one that interviewed him. And the goofy thing about it was then when they had a problem, they didn't go to Brent, they came to me and I'm like, dude, like I cannot handle your problem of, uh, you forgot to let us know that you need this day off. Like, don't, don't tell, I, I don't care. Talk to somebody that's going to do something about it. Like I have nothing to do with your schedule. I don't even know how much money we have on the books in Minneapolis. We're like, what, what's going on that day? I have no idea what jobs we have on the schedule. Talk yeah. to somebody that can do something about it. But they just, I was mama. So they had to come to me with their problems. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, true. That's a great point. So the second part that I wanted to talk about is, um, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday that, COVID unfortunately is rising in lots of states. And I know in my state, they're gonna start closing down some things like bars and I don't know what else. Um, We're gonna have a mandatory mask order um, starting Saturday. And so it's bringing that whole fear thing back Now, I will say that it doesn't seem to be nearly as bad. It's like we're we're hardened, we're seasoned now (laughs) after our three months. Yeah, now it's more of like, oh, it's not like, oh no, it's like, oh gosh. I know, I know. Here we go, yeah. But there is certainly that fear of, all right, is that gonna affect our business? And, you know, I've been watching, keeping a real pulse on uh, my employees. I will meet with them this Friday to see how they're feeling. My gauge right now is that they're fine. Um, But I noticed in a group yesterday, one of the business owners mentioned that her office manager and then her office manager's son was running a fever. And so the the staff was panicking because I gather they're still coming into the office Mm -hmm. and then leaving. So, you know, you got to think about all these things and 
luckily we're still working remotely. Like we, they leave from the house, they go straight to the job. We're keeping our interaction very low because that kind of happened to us early on where somebody had been to church and exposed everyone. So these are things we need to think about. We need to think about the reality is we still need to keep the social distancing up. You need to limit the interaction with other staff members because if something like that happens and you know this office manager is positive and her son is positive, then you know, I'm sure this business owner is thinking, great, I'm screwed. You can everybody. lose everybody. You can yep. lose the whole the whole team for two weeks. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So That's I know we're gonna have this talk on Friday with my office why we have to continue just to protect and you know basically protect the business by continuing to social distance and to protect them, of course. Um but what's your take? What are you guys doing differently or what are you starting, stopping? Because you've got a lot of businesses to think about. We, we never stopped our preventative measures. So on the home cleaning side, obviously when we're in people's homes, a lot more measures need to be taken, but we're still using way stronger disinfectants to, to kill any virus that might be hanging around. We're still wearing masks, we're still wearing gloves. We're still cleaning solo. We're still not going in rooms where anybody else is. We're still not all going to the office, kind of like you said. Um, and we had set the stage from the get go, good or bad, that uh, like this is going to, we're going to do it this way for the foreseeable future. Like, don't plan on things going back to normal. We'll let you know when, when normal is a, a thing again. But for now, we're going to run our business this way. And plan on this, you know, act and behave and think like, this is just how it's always going to be going forward. That way yeah. you won't expect anything different. Um, so that was kind of, that was one of like the, the points that we had made right from the get go. The other, the other point that we made is uh, all decisions are final for today. And then we'll yeah. reassess tomorrow. <laughs> um, That's a good one. Had, I love it. Love it. Things changing, especially it was like, all right, our admin in St. Louis is going to cover Cleveland and Cincinnati. Like, we got to get them back to work. They're the only person that knows how to do all these things. Like, by the way, you're going to do this. Oh, tomorrow, you know, now you have to do all these things, but take that off your schedule because we thought of something different. Um, and it was a little bit frustrating, but we just kept saying right from the beginning, like, this, we're going we're gonna to stick with this at least through the end of today. Um, yeah. <laughs> like plan on it being different tomorrow and if it's not cool but be ready for it to change tomorrow um, I love that, that yeah. it's really know, good I kind it's of called this, survival kind of thing with my it wife is, right yes. from the get go I just set a really low bar that you know if, uh, it's not hard for me to step over and then I don't have to worry about disappointing her routinely so I, I like that because uh, many times I feel here and there and so I might as well just own it and say yeah. yep that is that's the way but it, it is it's called survival and you gotta pivot and you gotta pivot fast so that sounds good 
Anyway, well, um, ladies, let's talk about retreat and uh, the retreat. Last I looked, we had 11 spots open. Um, just so you know, Dan, because uh, you probably have not heard anything about it. Um, we're having a retreat. I know it's in Colorado because I've been, I've been keeping up with things. Boulder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can keep it up. Breckenridge. 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 Yeah. First through third. October first through third, right? And there's 20 spots. So we have 11 open. And um we it I know that we've had a little bit of feedback because it is priced higher than a lot of other courses. But I think any of you that know us, we're going to do, it is going to be a high quality event. Um, something that was exciting is that Michelle and I, well, Michelle systemized all of us last week. <laughs> and, oh my uh, God. MVP of the week that I one. Literally. Yes, he was. <laughs> Our secret weapon to all success. I am so stoked to be your friend, Michelle. <laughs> and ah, so and good. I tell you what, um, I used to have my oh, I used to have like my recruiting to hire, and then almost more importantly, from hire date through training, through a year of onboarding, all in Infusionsoft. And then I left that to go to service autopilot automations and I never quite built that out. And um, so after being systemized by Michelle last week, I am now <laughs> building it back out for you guys for, I mean, yes, sure, my maid service, but I'm building it out for you all that are attending the retreat because what we found is if you use Bamboo HR, I'm going to build it all out in there and they will do a plug and play for us. So they will copy everything I've built out and then plug it in. And it doesn't matter if you're in window cleaning, pressure washing, lawn care, it doesn't matter because you might change some of the verbiage, um, but some of it is going to be about, you know. I mean, honestly. so do you guys hear what she's saying? Like Michelle and Martha called Bamboo HR and said, we want you to take this brilliant idea and this brilliant idea, and we want you to package it so that we can give it away to the people that come to our room. Bamboo HR was like, yeah, no problem. And Dan yeah. is automating the entire recruitment process through onboarding through the first year of employment and passing that off to our retreat members. Like I'm excited about that. Money for that. I think so cool. that alone is, and not, not to say, I, I just, Anything that's built out and you like hand somebody, whether it be from me or Megan or Tay, Michelle, is worth a lot of money. And so well, uh, Tay and I were dancing on the porch and we were like, <laughs> we want that. Give, give it to us. Give it to us. I know. <laughs> I know. And then I should say that we're going to try to build out an alternative version as well. 
that won't be as automated, but it is a free or very low cost version through Trello and Slack. And thank goodness to Michelle who will help me a little bit with that. So uh, anyway. Trello queen. Trello queen. And today is the last day for the four payment option. So just think about that. It's not like the retreat is going away. It's just to be able to spread it out more is going away after today. And that's only one area, guys. That was just Martha. Yeah, yeah. that's just Martha. Right. And as much as Michelle is helping Martha with this, that's not even Michelle's thing, right? Nope. <laughs> it's a whole nother badass thing that's coming. Yep. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be freaking epic. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. So um, let's talk briefly about what makes this retreat different. So Martha's talking about the money and the cool factor from the employee management standpoint. But what we want to do is we don't want you to come and leave with just like, you know, your brain full and the overwhelm and maybe you're inspired. We want you to leave with it done. So we want you to come. We want you to learn. Then we want you to do then we want to celebrate with you. And our goal is in three days, we're going to absolutely transform the four areas of business that we cover. And we're going to do it intimately with you. We're going to do it one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to do it with lots of doing, lots of implementation. And you're going to get back on that plane at the end of those three days, and you're going to have a totally different business. And and that's, that's what we're promising you at this retreat. And that's what makes it different. And that's why we really want you to come it's also why we're making you apply though, because we're being very thoughtful. We're actually curating the experience around you. And um, we're wanting to make sure that, you know, we have like, uh, we have a diverse portfolio of different industries because we learn from each other. Dan, every time you said window cleaning doesn't have recurring revenue, I wanted to correct you and say, you have to fix that, Dan. Like fix it already. You own a maid service. Of all people to be able to fix that, that's you, you gotta do it. Um, and, and I learned that from maid service, right? And from lawn care. Uh, if you want to work on increasing your average ticket, you look to soft washing, or you look to paver sealing, or you look to other industries. You want to look to uh, service agreements, we look to HVAC, right? So we're trying to curate this group so that we can learn from each other in home services. And, um, and we're wanting to keep everybody kind of in the same like size area. So we're being very thoughtful and intentional about how we're going to, how we're going to build out this retreat. And um, seeing these applications come in was so fun last week but also a little scary because almost half of them are gone. Almost half the spots have been. <clears throat> yeah. So um, and, apply. And the nobody the has chat. mentioned that you can assume that we're going to have some fun too. So only after you've done your work. That's, <laughs> that's a caveat. So anyway. Oh, well, I think we need some, some homework now. I don't want to give yeah, too much away homework. on the retreat. I want to keep, you know, we'll, we'll kind of give pieces away each week, but, um, I know homework wise, that's something we love to do with y'all again, accountability, making sure that you're choosing one of these four areas to be able to focus on your business this week. So don't by any means think you have to jump, you know, full steam ahead into all four, just pick one and be intentional about that one this week. So, for the marketing side of things, um, we talked a lot about, you know, looking at your books, looking at your marketing campaign and your goals. But since we're, you know, wrapping up to Q2, I want you to look at your quarter two, be able to analyze what your books looked like in addition to your marketing and see how that panned out. Were you, you know, hitting the goals you expected to hit? If you didn't have goals, then 
this month, this or I should say this quarter, I want you to set those goals. I want you to do a roadmap and be able to come end of quarter three, be able to analyze that roadmap and say, yes, we were successful or, you know, we need to make some areas of adjustment here. So depending on where you're at with your business, I want you this week to analyze your books or be able to game plan for this next quarter and say, this is what we're attacking. This is how we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to analyze and measure it. Awesome. Well, mine's going to be very similar. Dan filled up this entire post-it note with metrics. So these are all different metrics that I had to turn the post-it note. That's a sign of a good fight club week. Um, (laughs) Some of the metrics that I heard Dan say that he looks at in his businesses. And we remember we said, even though he said he's not smart, we said he's smart. So you can trust us and believe us. Uh, And so we want you to choose one of his metrics. I actually would like you to pick between one and three of these metrics. And I want you to go find them for your business. I want you to go figure out what is that number in my business. I want you to write it down. And then set a goal for what you want that number to be come October 1st. So are we supposed gonna... to be able to read that post-it note? No, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read this. No, what? I have terrible handwriting. Um, okay. So one, this is an easy one. And I, this is the one that I always start with. Every time I'm helping somebody set a goal, I start with revenue. So if you want to set a goal for daily revenue or weekly revenue, or monthly revenue. I don't care which one, but choose one and I want you to write it down. Okay. And for Jeff, it always helped if we did bite size, if we just chose daily revenue and we still think about his business that way, daily revenue per crew. That's, that's a really important number in our business. Um, or marketing, you could your marketing ad spend. You could write that, down that number. Attrition rate. So attrition means when your clients are leaving you, that's an option. Average ticket. This is one of my favorite KPIs. So in Jeff Lights Windows, what we look at is revenue, average ticket, and we look at conversion rate, which wasn't one that Dan said, but I'm going to throw it in there. Um, Dan mentioned skip rate. So if that applies to your business and you want to look at that, maybe that percentage of capacity. So Dan and Michelle talked about Dan's fancy spreadsheets and how he does that. Um, and then one that came up, and this is in Martha's realm, but I, I think it's so important, is if you don't know how much income one good employee can generate for your business, Maybe choose that metric, write that down, figure that out. Hourly rate times number of man hours. Um, Yeah, so that's my, and Dan, I think you should give us some homework. So if I missed a metric that you think they should write down (laughs) a budget or something, remember they have to be able to do the homework in one week. So don't give them a year's worth of homework. They they only have one week to get it done. But what do you think, Dan? I I think the, if you're gonna start on the marketing numbers, they're, they all have to go together, right? So marketing spend, but then you should be able to look at and estimate how many leads you got. The conversion rate would be the difference between your leads and how many turned into clients, right? So you can work that all the way through. So I think if you're going to dive into a, how are you doing on the marketing side, it it's each one by itself is a little bit useful, but I think I think in a week you could look at your marketing spend and maybe look at it like over a month. Um, that would be the right amount of time. Look at it over a month, how many leads came in, how many turned into clients and work your way through to calculate your cost per lead, your cost per client and what that conversion rate is. And that gives you average job size. So if you can go pull that marketing data, it starts answering all those questions for you and it builds on itself. And the whole story is, 
is better than any individual part of it. Um, so that's my homework. I'm going to challenge you in the next week to look back and figure out, you know, maybe take June and figure out those numbers on your marketing side. Marketing I love hop in the Facebook group and make thing. sure. Marketing and bookkeeping. Damn near the same. <laughs> that's great. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing with Dan. I'm going to say, look at the month of June and determine what your capacity is by week and then what your demand is by week. And hopefully, you know, we will move forward in July. But if you know those numbers from June, I think you could really understand how to schedule your weeks by, you know, in a, in a little more efficient way. So I'm going to ask you to get those numbers together as well, too. And I have two things. I want you to look at what you spend on recruiting if anything compared to what you spend on marketing and just take what dan talked about to heart and that one employee makes you so much more money than one client and so you need to start flipping that rhetoric in your head of not putting resources towards your best resource, which is a good employee. Um, and then the other thing that I want you to think about is, have you loosened up on any of your uh, precautions as far as exposure? Have you bought, brought people back into the office to meet before they go out for the day? And should you? And, uh, and I just want you to think about how you're gonna protect your business, especially in those states like mine where things are going back up. Okay, that's an awesome amount of homework, everybody. I think yeah. we'll end with the quote of the week. Is that okay, everyone? Yeah, yeah got go anything for it. else? Sounds good. Okay, so the quote of the week, it's actually really perfect for today and it is from Colin Powell. And the quote is, there are no secrets to success it is a result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. Mm. I think we can all, all gather that one. So have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you all for joining us at Split Fight Club. Dan, thank you so much for swinging by and hanging out with us. Yeah. Thanks for having on vacation. Yeah, it's on vacation oh, it's on even. Vacation. Wow. Oh, that's I mean, awesome. I'm, I'm a small business owner. I'm always on vacation <laughs> and I'm always right. working. Right? True. <laughs> that's so true. Right. Well, thank you all, everybody. See everybody Have a terrific next week. week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business. <laughs>